0: Yeah, that was a weird part of the process was a lot of times it was just me preparing something and then calling Mateo when I was ready to film it.
1: We do it to everybody else, so I'm going to be critical on okay. the camera to you. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like, are there any rules that you learned maybe early on in parkour or like as we've gone, like rules that you're supposed to... Do when you're doing parkour,
0: so I know the one that you're alluding to. I'm not going to well, say that, but it's the obvious. Do you know, one. another one, and this one's really going to get you okay, is the uh, straight arm climb up.
1: Oh, yeah, straight arm climb up, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, we're talking about rules of technique. When I started parkour, at least, it was very much like a rule, and it's, I think, it still really is, but it's a rule like, uh, oh, like, land on your your toes, lands on the balls of your feet. Like, that's how you move like a cat, right? And that's another good one, which is like, oh, like... And this came years later when the better version of climb-ups came, the level three climb-up, if you want to call it that. I never want to call it that. I don't want to call it either. But there's a lot of reasons for that, too. We can maybe get into that, too. But, but yes, you should try to pull up to straight arms. And I was just trying to think of other rules that people... Mm -hmm have applied or like come up with that have been like tropes in our culture in parkour culture for how to do things um and so those are two those are the two main ones but I can't I'm struggling to think of other ones but I'm sure there are other ones and it's funny because like I I was I was doing I was training with with somebody who was like, oh, but Renee told me to do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm not whoa. saying okay. <laughs> and their person that takes things very literally, where okay. it's like, oh, this is now the rule I apply to every scenario. And I was like, <laughs> just kind of off the cut. I was like, as a rule. Don't follow rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that uniquely applies to parkour in a lot of ways because we're different than other sports in, in a lot of ways, because I don't know, I think of like track and field. Typically you're doing a repetitive motion, like for running, for instance, you don't want to deviate from good technique and good technique looks the same pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, The same is true for, I don't know, like pole vaulting. Like there's rules that you follow for good pole vaulting technique because the same scenario happens in every contest. And so you're always training under the same circumstances. But parkour, the, the interesting thing about it is that it's always a changing environment. We're always applying parkour skills to different environments. And different contexts and you know you might do a plyo that's six feet but you might do a plyo that's 10 feet Mm -hmm. you know and and you might be dropping into the plyo or you might be going up into the plyo and those so it's harder to come up with good rules to follow because we're always changing those rules based on the context and so in general that's why I said, as a rule, don't follow rules because rules actually get in the way of do of adapting to circumstances
0: yeah, I think I can mostly agree with that. I guess the one thing that I will say is that you're so you're saying that the circumstances are going to not circumstances but the structures and the environment but there is actually like a it is it is finite like there is a limited um, amount of types of structures I would say that you can apply like a precision jump to for example because there's a limited amount of things like eventually you'll come to a point in your your training where you've not you know you can't go as far as saying like you've seen it all but like you know maybe 99% being seen at all one of the cool things about this stage in the game too, with parkour is that people do tend to try things that, are, that haven't been tried before. We talked about this in a previous episode with like pole sliding, for example. Yeah, You know, maybe someone had done that some time ago in, in parkour, but it wasn't really pushed to the level that we're seeing now or the different ways to do it. So someone will take a structure that, you know, how many times have you seen a pole that you could probably have jumped from height to and and slid down, and yet it wasn't a big part of practice or something that someone tried to figure out different ways to do. So with with precision jumps, like I've seen people jump to chains and and weird stuff, you know. But again, there is probably a limited amount of things that you could do a precision jump to.
1: Yeah, I guess what I guess my point is, you're totally right in that there's yeah there's a finite number of scenarios, but I, th- I guess my point is suggesting that it's very hard to distill that information down to a very simple rule. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. land on the balls of your feet Mm -hmm. is a very simple rule that we know now is not always true, is not always a good rule to follow. And so I think you know, and early on, maybe I maybe it was good to kind of go through a stage where I thought that was a good rule to follow always. But as you progress, you end up breaking those rules. And whether or not you're aware of it, you know you might like for for example, I feel like I didn't really understand how a precision worked until really, like I don't know, a handful of years ago. yeah, same. So, and it's like, and we've been doing parkour and coaching for, you know, over a decade, mm-hmm. you know, or even more than that. Right. So I guess. I think
0: you can give yourself a bit more credit than than a few years, but, but I think what you're saying is, is just,
1: just so people are it's listening not, like what not, you didn't it know. Wasn't how to do it wasn't two years ago. It was, you know, it was uh, six years ago. Or yeah. Well, and, eight there, years ago. and there
0: may have been a technique that you, uh, were using previous to that. Was just suboptimal. I think is what we're, we're saying. Like you could still stick a precision jump yeah. to a variety of structures. Just there may have been some suboptimal technique that was being used. Yeah,
1: and and you know, same goes for for a lot of other skills too, right? Like there's like things I thought were the case based on the simple rule of thumb I had in my head that upon review, like intense review of like video footage. It's like, oh, I actually don't do what I'm telling other people to do. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, I should reevaluate the the communication Mm -hmm. I'm giving to others. Especially as a coach, I should be more careful with the language I use. Because if they take it too literally, they will actually have worse outcomes. And that, I think, is the case in a lot of coaching that we experience because it's less of just like a a cultural environment of like, Hey, we're all just kind of training and you're helping. And like, Oh, you got the skill, you got the thing, you got the challenge. That's cool. Whereas like, there's actually like an, a level of authority that we have as coaches that we're then passing down information. Mm -hmm. And then these people are trusting us that they're, that we're giving them the right information and they're following the rules we're giving them. And so. I try to make sure I communicate to people that there are that there's sometimes there's like things they need to do, but it only applies to certain contexts. And that's why I don't know, like I feel like a lot of times in coach in parkour coaching, there's a lot of misinformation that happens. And it's, it's not malicious misinformation. It's just you didn't, realize that that's actually not how it's done in all contexts mm-hmm. and there's like a delicate balance you have to play of coming up with rules that people can understand and implement but that don't interfere with each other or or are able to be applied to more than just one scenario mm-hmm. um, anyway it's a topic I think about often because I coach often And I will, so this came up and I was telling you about this before we started recording, but we had a student coming and visiting from London, who's taking classes from somebody in London and she's landing plyos or she's doing plyos by trying to stay on her toes. And it's like, ends up pushing your hips forward and making it so that you can't really get a good jump on your second or third jump, whatever. And it came up because... She was like, well, my coach, said, my coach back home says to, you know, always stay on the balls of your feet. And it's like, this is a scenario where landing on the balls of your feet is the right move in certain contexts. Like if you're dropping down from height or if you're landing on the edge, you want to land on the balls of your feet on the edge. But when you're landing on a flat platform, especially if you're not dropping from height, then you're more likely to actually land on your heels first. You drive, drive through and roll into that, that position. And I, I wonder if the, the rules that we have as a culture in parkour are actually helping newer generations or do we end up with like a survival of the fittest scenario where the people who end up getting it succeed in spite of the rules not because of the rules
0: yeah as you're describing this it's making me think of rails specifically because i think this is where someone would try to play like the devil's advocate and rail plyos in fact yes you are aiming to be on the ball of your foot if you're doing a rail plyo we can edge a bit more into the arch of the foot if you're jumping off the arch of the foot, you're probably going to feel like you don't get as much power off of something specifically rail because your ankle doesn't get as much range of motion to jump. But, and I actually have recently I have an Instagram clip of doing some rail plyos and I haven't checked this, but I'd be happy to (laughs) to zoom in and, and go in slow motion. But what we would probably see is that actually my heel comes down with the contact on every rail. So if, If you were to then take the rail and expand it, expand the the landing surface, and now it's a wall, my heel may uh, actually come in contact with with the wall on each one. So even when we think of stuff like rails, which, as I said, is usually where someone goes with trying to play devil's advocate on this, like, well, how are you going to land on your heels or whatever here? Well, your heel's floating in the air, Mm -hmm. but it does drop down. And this is something where if you were to read up or educate yourself on plyometrics. And there's also, uh, I'll mention McKins Watson uh, posts a lot of content on Instagram for free about plyometrics and foot position. Uh, Derek Hansen also uh, for sprinting. And it's all kind of the same because even in those cultures, like in sports training, they talk a lot about uh, being on the ball of the foot, particularly in sprinting. There's an argument for like, oh, I should be on the balls of my feet. And then they'll slow down a clip of Usain Bolt and watch, like, yes, the the ball of foot does make contact first, but then the whole foot comes down. Not only that, as he's about to make contact, it's not with a pointed foot, which which is what gets us into the problem that you may be, have been having with this uh, this client is that she may be jumping in a way where she's thinking she has to point her toes in the air mm-hmm. to specifically land on the ball of the foot, which we don't want
1: to do sometimes we do though you know what I mean like yeah. if we're dropping down like straight down from height we want to mm-hmm. absorb the impact on the balls of our feet which is a, a good rule of thumb like mm-hmm. yeah you're taking
0: I actually don't that's actually something where if someone were to debate me or ask me about I wouldn't be totally clear on mm-hmm. even that I'm actually thinking of a drop that I was doing the other day because I was coming out of a dive kong and trying to gallop and notice that on the first two like my heels drop and as soon as that happens when when you're intending to do a gallop or a roll like get to your hands you'll find that it kind of feels useless like oh i put my hands down and it kind of kept the momentum going but it didn't it didn't take the impact off my legs so in fact i needed to be leaning more forward or diving more forward to get onto my hands but i have no sense of what my feet my foot position was like at this the the millisecond before it made contact with the ground, right? right? I, I only have the sensation of knowing that my heel mostly stayed off of the ground. It, it you know, may have dropped slightly on impact. And then I went to my hands, but I, I'm not confident to say that I was pointing my toes in the air, right? I actually don't, don't know. Yeah. I just know that what I wanted to achieve was achieved. But I wasn't, but what got me to achieve it was uh, getting more onto my hands on the landing, not not thinking about pointing my toes in the air.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Kongs in general, are a little bit different of a beast, except in some circumstances. Well, this is
0: this is the exit. I'm, I'm yeah,
1: yeah, I here. know. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of forward momentum with that. Mm-hmm. So let's just say that you're dropping down from six feet Mm -hmm. straight down to the ground and Mm -hmm. you're trying to absorb the impact. You're likely to impact like more toe heavy Mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, if you're doing a broad jump for as much distance as possible, Mm -hmm. you're likely to do the opposite, which is like roll from your heel to your toe. Yeah, And so I think... In those two very distinctly different scenarios, there's probably an obvious movement solution for a straight drop down, Mm -hmm. which is toe heavy landing versus a very forward, like horizontal force landing, which is going to be more of like a heel to toe Mm -hmm. landing. But it gets a lot trickier when you play around with like, oh well, what if it's a drop, broad jump? Then it's becoming less clear mm-hmm. how you're actually going to take that impact.
0: Yeah, because you're you're not directly trying to attack the ground in some scenarios. Mm-hmm. There's for some people there's a limit to how much of a drop they can take and still attack the ground. Because again, if I'm if you're doing flat plyos like just across flat ground or flat walls, walls that are the same height, you'd be wanting to actually try to pull your toes back in the air, um, still potentially making contact with either a flat foot or a ball of foot first. But if you're taking a big drop into to one, you actually might need to absorb it more and then change the angle of your foot. But a lot of this stuff, I think when you're doing it, It almost seems wrong to be thinking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny because when you're describing the Kong Mm -hmm. situation where you were coming Mm -hmm. out of it and landing, it's like at the end of the day, it feels like in that scenario, like who cares what your foot is actually doing? Mm -hmm. Did you have the outcome that you desired? And in that case, it's like, okay but I feel like when, when we're hyper-focused on landings, because we are in parkour, we do a lot of precision landings, it's such a heavy, heavily practiced element of our sport or just drop landings in general, we should have an understanding of how, like what our foot position is doing And when you, especially as a coach, when you can see, if you can see somebody doing something that looks wrong, you should be able to understand why it looks wrong and how to fix it, Mm. which is always the hardest part of coaching is, is the, the error detection and then providing an intervention Mm -hmm. to correct the error. And then the the, the other part of it is like that, that person that needs to take your intervention and be able to apply it, which is. There's you know things that can be lost in communication. Some people learn very differently than others. So that's that's the art of coaching, which is really difficult. But yeah, I, I don't know. This is it, it's. I think it's such a. It's not a topic that people. Maybe maybe people think about this. I don't mm-hmm. know. But I feel like it's it's not talked about. And uh, I mean, even I'll call them out, but Hub has. <laughs> signs on their walls mm-hmm. that say land on your toes mm-hmm. and it's like is that the right thing to be telling people mm-hmm. because does that encourage the wrong type of movement to be done in these scenarios
0: yeah for some
1: for i think for some people as, as you said like
0: survival it. the fittest yeah you
1: know? yeah yeah because it's like i never i i learned parkour and it was like stay on the balls of your feet like everything mm-hmm. is done on the balls of your feet and i was like oh interesting okay and i took that to heart a little bit initially but through practice and experience without even knowing i realized that i don't always land on the balls of my feet and so did i just i learned that through experience not through conscious effort of I'm going to now stop landing on the balls of my feet in these specific scenarios.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas others, maybe they continue doing the, the habit of land on the balls of your feet in all scenarios.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I, I just wonder, you know, are we setting people up for failure when we apply, when we give them these rules to follow? Yeah. Maybe. And the 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 other thing too, which is which is funny, because I was coaching somebody, this is, you know, adult client years ago, and I was explaining to them, like, oh, like catch, you know, catch the edge like just behind the ball of the foot. That way the whole ball of the foot is on the edge mm-hmm. or like over the edge. And she was like, Oh, I think I've been always hitting the front of the ball of the foot.
0: Which makes makes it so that they're more on their toes. They're more on their toes. Mm-hmm
1: and and of course that
0: Tosey landing puts
1: you at more risk mm. of things like ankle thingies or, or just slip at, slip outs or or you know various other potentially bad things to happen and it's it's just it was really interesting for me to hear that because it was like oh the ball of the foot is bigger than <laughs> the edge of a surface mm-hmm. you might interpret it wrong or like you might have a student or a cl- like a client or somebody who you're teaching or just showing parkour. You might encourage them to do the wrong thing just by saying the ball of the foot. Oh, front of the ball of the foot. I get it.
0: Yeah. I wonder if the, because certainly when, if I have beginners, and this is something that gets talked about just as like a coaching generalization. So like outside of parkour is like beginners, it's something they, they will have a tougher time wrapping their heads around precise body parts. So if I tell you, like you're, you're doing, just you know, pick a sport, but we'll, we'll stick with parkour. If I tell you to do something with your foot in the air as you jump, as a beginner, you can, you can watch it. You can, you can test this if you coach, um, or if you've coached someone or are coaching someone and they're new, uh, you can, if you wanna mess with them, you can test it out by getting them to try to do something with you know, very, very specific. If you're really good, if I tell you to do something with your foot, I can probably actually get the result that I'm looking for if I, you know, if I make that micro correction. And so beginners do better with just the bigger picture idea, almost like external cues sometimes is Mm. what's, what's working better. And so I think you're right that um, if people are entering into parkour and they have an instructor who is able to perform all the things that they're trying to coach, but then they're beginning with this like land on the ball of your foot or do it can be interpreted in so many ways that we that are not helpful, and, yeah. and we we, <laughs> I'll say secretly, pick on um, some of the pros sometimes. So uh, people that you know are c- competing in competitions, skill competitions, and we'll we'll review footage and be like, they don't know how to stick a jump. <laughs> like they're they're it's it's happening. They're able they're, to. They're able to. It's happening sometimes, but. Uh, it's it's sometimes very clear th- watching through the attempts that they they actually don't know the ideal technique to, to to get it done, and so it's often taking them more attempts or they they're getting away with it by by some other means. Yeah, we did like a YouTube video talking about landing on tops of things, and it's like yeah, you can totally like spike your jump and try to like <laughs> drop straight down. That that will be a stick, but it doesn't work with all the the variety of, of structures and sizes of well, jumps and that you could do
1: super hard to do because that means you have to jump exact with the exact right amount of power whereas if you really understand how to contact an edge you can have better stopping ability mm-hmm. so you could put a little bit more power than you need to but still be able to stop and stick the landing
0: yeah i think last thing i want to say on this is i actually had a, a progression with rail precisions um, so you might recall I'm gonna say 2012, so just over, just over 10 years ago. I, if if you sh- show me like a tiny rail pre, I could stick it. But anything that was like challenging for me, I could not stick rail pre's. Mm. Could not. I had no problem jumping to rails, but I would often overshoot. And it, it's the type of landing where when you're trying to teach someone what counts, it's like oh, it doesn't count because like technically I landed, and then there was just I was fighting for it, but clearly had gone over and that may have been a have been at the time a result of trying to land on the balls of my feet
1: mm-hmm.
0: what happened from there is when i really started to focus on it i could only stick a rail pre if i bottomed out so i think the same habit was still occurring at that time because it, again and we'll see this with some of the some of the pros or some of the people that are revered as being quite good but don't really know how to land a jump is they'll only land something like a rail pre if they completely bottom out in a squat and I didn't like that because that meant that I had to kill my jump to a certain degree in order to achieve the landing or I could or I could stick something if it was at end range because then right. I don't have a choice but to bottom yeah. out. Yeah. So it was like this sort of like medium difficulty range where I would have so much inconsistency until I could decrease my jump enough or change my trajectory enough so that I would just bottom out um, because that's how I would receive the, the jump. And then in I don't know what time it happened, but eventually I started to to learn how to actually land for what I feel is is quite good now, <laughs> which is I can I I can land in in a much higher squat position, which is very useful because now I have options. When you're able to do that, you're you're more likely to stick more more landings because you can have a variety of of uh, squat heights that you land in, but that all comes from I had to get comfortable with, uh, I think the last piece being doing bounce backs on rails. Yeah. So now we encourage people to, to develop that as an ability as soon as possible, because if you can bounce back something, you're learning how to stop and you're learning how to stop in a, with a variety of different like air trajectories.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many good things about bounce backs. Helps you with committing. Mm-hmm. If you know what the outcome is, is if you come up short, which is a bounce back, then do you have the tools to like deal with that? It's th- I So much you, easier to commit to a jump. I think you and I could do a
0: whole weekly podcast on like bounce back stories. Yeah, tales tales of bounce backs. Tales of
1: the BB. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I mean that's what I had to say about like because this kind of came up because I was thinking about the rule that. We, uh, we keep teaching, we, as a culture, keep teaching newer generations and it's been around since, since I started at least if Mm -hmm. not before then. So, and, and just like, yeah, when, when are we going to get out of these like rules of thumbs that are doing, in my opinion, more damage than good?
0: I don't think ever, because as I mentioned before, like with plyometrics and track and field coaching there's still, they still disagreement yeah. and then you have people putting up like having to resort to essentially like video evidence of what's actually like slow-mo video evidence of what's actually happening to say hey this is a bad cue stop telling people to do this because this is what's actually happening but they're still not winning like the bad cueing and, and I think you'll probably see the same thing in like weightlifting and mm-hmm. all that too so we're probably stuck with it but it's okay we can keep doing podcasts where we talk for a half an hour about how your feet should be landing
1: um (laughs) leave a leave a comment if you listen to this entire segment (laughs) Uh, should we should we talk about climb ups (laughs) um yeah
0: I think we can um, go another uh we'll go, we'll another go, direction yeah. That's fine. here uh, we finally caught up on all of our 2023 video watching and it was
1: mostly me yeah. i finally caught up
0: well i i also say that with a, a grain of salt i guess because i'm sure there's videos that have have yet to be seen uh last week we did some of our favorites um but there there's there are a number of uh, unmentioned i'll say unmentioned mentioned videos. And so we, we have, uh, caught up. I think we're on the same page now. Yep. Which one do you want to start with?
1: Well, yeah. Okay. So we want to, we want to give, do some like, what's it called? What's it called when, uh, honorable mentions, Mm -hmm. do some honorable mentions because these videos weren't really brought up at all in the conversation of best videos. Um, at least for us, they also weren't really mentioned in the sports store awards as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be useful to, uh, or we thought it would be useful to talk a little bit about them. Um, so I will start with the, the first one that Egon, shout out Egon, uh, gave us a comment asking us about Crooked Man or mentioning, like, I don't know why Crooked Man hasn't been in this conversation. Crooked Man by Gio Bartolucci uh, from Italy. And, you know, excellent athlete amazing athlete do you want to talk about the video itself
0: yeah it if i've watched it two and a half times now okay and also the about Cooked man and i feel i felt kind of bad because i went in really anticipating this project uh i got to meet geo for the first time or we have you met him before we were in Belgium? No, that was my first time. Okay, so both of us met him for the first time around this time last year, and that's actually apparently when he had started the project, and he had mentioned that to me because uh, I, I witnessed him do one of the one of the bigger uh, challenges that that were in the project. So I was really looking forward to it, and for me, it just it fell flat on the amount of. Guess the amount of of lines or the amount of challenges that are in it, and I'm a, you know I'm sure it was intentional, but it's almost like the opposite of, of what I was critical about with Nate Weston's project, whereas like Nate's project may have made a bigger impact for me if there were more things in it, like more uh, more See, clips.
1: I, I actually sorry to jump in here but i kind of disagree with uh, when it comes to nate's project because i i thought it was a great number of things in it it Mm -hmm. was just there was too much non-clips like too much Mm b-roll and it felt like it just lengthened the project that could have been shorter and tighter and more like impactful
0: yeah yeah and you know and and I i can agree with that yeah
1: and then as far as Crooked Man goes, I feel the same thing about it, but mm-hmm. exactly what you said, the opposite yeah. direction. And it's
0: so so tough because I think, like, I'm a huge fan of, you know, the, <laughs> the uh, athletes we're mentioning. And I, I think it's just tough because when you're really good at parkour, you shouldn't be expected to be really good at making videos. They're two completely different skill sets, which which is also tough to hear because I'm sure if you're someone like, uh, Geo or Nate and I actually don't know who edited Nate's video. Maybe he did. I know Geo edited his video. You might be hearing this sort of criticism, and it's tough because you put work into something that that you love, and uh, it's maybe not being received the way you wanted it to be. Uh, having said all that, there are so many incredible things in, in oh Geo's yeah, video that are very unique to him and very close to uh, being things that only he would do, and so. We crowned uh, Chris Roth's video Maven as Video of the Year for much of the same reason as there's, there's such a uniqueness to his style, but it was also the construction of the video that made that Video of the Year. But I wonder if you were to put the same, I guess, filmmaking effort into Gio's Crooked band. And if you were a little bit more critical of, of which lines to include, because there, there are some stuff that's just obviously like a lot more chill, a lot closer to the ground, a lot less risk and um, not just, not everything's a banger, which is okay. You can have some stuff in there. That's not a banger, but there was almost like too much in comparison. And then I think you mentioned this when we were watching that there wasn't enough for the things that are bangers, there wasn't the right amount of buildup to, to them. So I I actually, but it makes me wonder that if you were to re-edit Gio's video, if that would become video of the year. So I'm actually curious what your thoughts are on that.
1: I don't know, hard to be Maven, but maybe it's, it's, it's hard to like, imagine a hypothetical re-edit of a video, but I, I, I guess I, you know, I'm kind of, I, I'm of the same mind as you here when it comes to Crooked Man it felt like it watched like a Instagram compilation. Unfortunately, it just, it didn't, it didn't come across as like, this is a, this is a big video project with a bunch of saved clips. It, um, but having said that, a lot of the incredible clips in there are truly incredible. Like some, some really, really hench stuff was, was in it. But I guess, um, yeah, I mean, like as I was watching it, I think I said this to you, was um, it feels like one out of every six clips are a project
0: clip, mm-hmm.
1: whereas a lot of it was like, you know, some chill lines, some, some fun looking stuff, some stuff that's probably hard, but doesn't read as super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of it was, and it definitely picks up in the second half. Uh, but the rest that, that half is really just a little bit more banger, a little bit more, uh, more substance to it. But I mean, there's some big things that happen that it doesn't feel like they were built up at all. And so looking at all the clips individually indi- yeah, individually cooking man is an awesome video. If we're taking like the best of Crooked Man, it's incredible video. There's so many good things, but the construction of it makes you, at least, it makes me feel, uh, like I like some of the music choices and the 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 B roll elements and some of the way it was like some of the clips were filmed. You know, and and this is something that you already brought up, but you can't really fault people for not. Uh, being professionals when it comes to filmmaking because somebody who's good at parkour is not necessarily going to be really good at editing or even or filming a video uh, or asking other people to film in a particular way and to have the perfect vision for it. And so this is why I think Maven's video or Maven was such a good video was because it you know, all Chris had to do was show up and do the thing that he was good at. And then the, um, I think it was Noah and Connor and mm-hmm. Ethan, maybe mm-hmm. they filmed the project and they have a unique eye for, you know, selecting shots and then putting it together and they chose in my opinion the right music choices and all this and they kind of put it they crafted it and put it together in such a way that made me really uh really like i bought into it almost from the start whereas crooked man to me didn't have that same impact in with like in terms of drawing me in with emotion drawing me into like give peeking at the right moments mm-hmm. and really showing what he's best at. Um, And so that's where I felt like it was lacking. But yeah, like, look at, like, take all the raw clips that were the best in that video. It has the potential to be video of the year for sure.
0: Can I, uh, I'm going to try to play a bit of devil's advocate here. Because I I think this is something that kind of needs to be understood. Maybe, maybe it's sometimes where, especially I think the two of us get, get too harsh. And part of the reason is because we've just seen so many parkour videos yeah, over the yeah, years that it's yeah. like, if you, <laughs> if you're trying to hold, um, like you, you and I, if you're, if you're trying to hold our attention, it's pretty tough. Uh, but I guess the the devil's advocate <laughs> argument I'm thinking of making is is should it, if we're talking about video of the year, meaning the video that an athlete puts out that has some of the craziest stuff in it, should the edit matter? Absolutely. Okay, so, because what I'm going to, I think the same thing was around like Caveman 5, because, so I'm going to get you to defend that argument basically. Because I think the same thing around like Caveman 5, where, and I, I seem to recall Benj actually, Benj Cave, mentioning this, that it's about the movement. They weren't trying to edit it more they were not trying to do more with the camera work they wanted it to be just about the movement and so if I'm making that argument that it should just be about the movement you shouldn't necessarily be looking at video of the year like I should be able to watch Gio's video and be like oh yeah there's so many things in here that are uh, only things that Gio could do or would do and it's incredible, and we should be just removing all the other stuff, and just I should just be watching it like I'm watching any other sport because sports have like lulls in them, right? You can be watching like an MMA match, and it's fight, <laughs> and throughout that fight, there's a bunch of lulls and boring stuff, and oh, all this guy won though, and he gets the belt, right? Here he's he's the champion, he's the winner of the fight, even though is even though it was like boring to consume uh so what's i guess what's wrong with that argument that it should just be about uh, what feats were performed in in the video to be video of the year
1: Oh, there's so much wrong with it <laughs> um okay so the way it's filmed matters i don't i don't care how you which way you slice it, the way it's filmed matters. Because if I've never been to a spot and somebody does a gnarly gap and you film it in a way that makes the gap look small, I'm not going to know that it's a gnarly gap.
0: Okay. So that's so, so filming matters. And I think, I think most people could get on board with that. Um, but now when it comes to the edit and as we yeah. said, the buildup, because I know there are some athletes out there that are like really against the idea of, like I guess, indulging more. Cause it, it, cause it can feel indulgent if you're, uh, if you're putting together a project where it's like showing the buildup, showing all the process using, maybe like tr- trying to create drama around the edit, because that's honestly how it probably felt, but it does start to, it can, it can, there's a fine line where it can get too indulgent. And I think that's that a true. lot of athletes are afraid
1: of that. Um, and they just want to let the movement speak for itself. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. But you're not going to make the best film. That's the point is like, it's if you're making something that that people really want to watch, it shouldn't, it can't just be about the movement, because I can pull out Instagram and scroll through my feed and watch incredible things all day the reality i literally just like oh incredible 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 it's not about the incredibleness of the movement it's about how you take all those incredible things and you put it together into a film that i actually want to watch sit down spend eight minutes of my time watching and maybe re-watching like I, there's you know there's there's some videos that i've you know i've watched multiple times now, and it's because of the way the the video makes me feel, it draws me in, it tells a little bit of a story, maybe it shows some attempts that were, uh, that makes me understand how hard that skill was to do in that scenario. Um, If it's just like banger, 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 you didn't try enough, you didn't like, or you didn't have the skill of editing enough to get me to really care or like it that much. Mm. So it definitely matters the way that it's edited and the way that it's filmed, the way it's put together because, but yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it can't, it's a fine line. It can end up becoming too indulgent. And it, and then it can be the opposite where it's just like, you just slapped a bunch of clips onto a timeline. And, and so which one's better? I don't know. Probably depends on the scenario, but the ideal thing is the skill coming together and putting it right in the middle where it's like the perfect amount of, uh, of, you know, showing off the movement and the perfect amount of maybe a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of, uh, B roll and selling the movements to me. Mm -hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, it's the, the video, you know, and you can make the argument, all right, I'm making this video for me, Mm -hmm. but, If you're upset that you don't, your video doesn't get as much views or recognition, then it's not for you. You're making it for the audience. And if the audience likes a different video better because of the way it was filmed and edited, then that video should be the video of the year or just, or in general be considered a better video. I think I can. But I do think you need both. Like, you need to have really high, like, high level of skill mm-hmm. and ability in parkour, and it needs to be put together well.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I hope that makes sense, because I'm definitely in agreement there. And, and I think that's, if people ever get confused with our takes on things when we're talking about videos, uh, we're, we're talking about, you know, video of the year contenders or videos that you have to watch. And I, have, I would have a tough time like recommending some something like Geo's video to someone that isn't really like deep into parkour. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, and, and if you want, and I think, I'm sure that people that are deep into parkour have seen it and appreciate it. And if that's all you want, then great, you achieved what you set out to achieve. But if you wanted to touch more people, and make an impact and inspire then more needs to be done that the tricky thing and the thing that i really feel for parkour athletes on is that that's a tall order we we are really in is. we yeah. are in a stage where it's easier to make consumable content it's never been easier it's never been easier to make a video yeah. <laughs> you have ai tools you have better cameras you have uh stabilization so many things make it easier to make a video right now, but still not everyone is going to have the right eye, uh, be critical enough of what's going to go into it to cut things out. I think that's probably the hardest part is, is um, leaving things on the, on the cutting board. And, and I think also the last thing I wanted to touch on with Gio's video particularly is that at the start of the video, he has like a skateboard clip. Yeah, And a lot of his inspiration for video making comes from skateboarding. The difference, the biggest difference there is that if a pro skater puts out a clip or puts out a video part, first of all, they're a pro skater and they're called a pro skater for a reason because they were probably sponsored to make that video. And someone paid to get filmmakers out to get other people holding cameras. Like you can watch a skate video and I don't watch too many of them, (laughs) but you can watch a skate video. And see three s- angles of the exact same make, yeah. right? We didn't. And it
1: takes a lot more tries usually yeah. to get a make in yeah. skateboarding. But the skater
0: didn't have to redo anything. They didn't have to uh, get extra b-roll after the fact because they probably had three cameras on them to just make sure everything was uh, was captured the way it needed to be. Yeah. And we're we're stuck right now in in a state of parkour where there are not the same there's, there's not the same money being pumped into parkour not, yeah. not even close that's being pumped into something like skating or climbing and you can watch a, a lot of documentaries from uh these other like action sports we'll say and the the pro <laughs> that's being featured in like a documentary You never hear them talking about, like, oh, I was sitting down and editing my project. It's just they they go out and do their job, and then someone does that part for them. Yeah. And I think some teams in the past in parkour were spoiled. Like, I can think of uh, Modus had Giles, right? Yeah. So, like, the reason that, uh, you know, one of the videos that stands out to me as, like, the last real banger that I ever saw was Resurgence. Yeah. And it's like, why? Because Giles. (laughs) Right. And then you had Storm Volume 1, which I think had two, I can't remember the names, but I think had like two filmmakers putting that together. And so we've actually been spoiled in the past by some of these really well put together projects. And there's, there's a few um, people out there right now that, that have the skills.
1: Well, let's, uh, I want to take this opportunity to talk about the next video, mm-hmm. which is um, Takeover, which was filmed and edited by Geert. Mm-hmm struggle saying his name that's um i'm sure that's close enough and uh and he's actually and his uh his brother tom lash guy <laughs> right that's uh they and they have you know great film equipment and they really know how to they have a good eye for filming parkour and it always looks good looks looks fresh the way they film it and so TakeOver was this uh, video, if you haven't seen it, uh, is a video that's filmed entirely in the HAL5 parkour gym in Belgium. And it's 12 pro female athletes who come and, and you know, film like an action video in their space. And this is one of those scenarios where it's like, wow, like they they actually had like they all they had to do was show up. All the women had to do was show up and do their job as parkour athletes. They don't have to sit down and edit it and like review footage after the fact. That was Geert and Tom's uh, job. So they,
0: they they probably had some in- input or probably got to see drafts sure. or something yeah but. sure
1: but it they the the bulk of the work has to you know falls onto the filmmakers that were ultimately behind the you know the editing and the the filming of the project and so you know not every, not everybody in parkour has the luxury of having somebody like willing to film and edit a video who's a professional or at least like a hobbyist that is into making parkour, you know, films or parkour videos. Um, And so uh, I know you wanted to talk about this video because for you, it was on your list of uh, video of the year.
0: Yeah, I would, I would, uh, and if it just rewatched again, I would still, I would still put it in top five um, because of, the 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 movement quality the action like the level of the action is is high and then also the construction or the edit mm. <laughs> of the of the film is is high as well
1: yeah and i i love the way it was filmed i think how five actually has a cool aesthetic as well um so i like seeing that's
0: that. one of the best aesthetics
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and uh and also like there, it, there was some nice, good moments in there where it was, like, there was, like, choreographed lines where it wasn't only on each individual athlete. But there was, like, some times when there were, you know, multiple athletes were, were doing some, uh, some part of the line. So that was cool. And it just looked good. Just, like, the way it was filmed, it just looked really good. Uh, it wasn't like the perfect video. I feel like there was some some points of like dead audio where there was no music and it was just the raw sound. And that can be good sometimes, but it felt like it was just like a little bit too much for me. It felt just a little bit awkward at times. Um, but when it was used right, it was used right. There was some really cool moments there. Um, makes it feel like raw in the moment. And then the music cuts in at the right time and so on. Uh, but yeah, overall I thought that video was really great. And, um, but, but again, it comes down to, it wasn't just a parkour person sitting, you know, sitting behind the camera and behind the computer, like just putting it together in between sessions. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and make no mistake, Geert and Tom are both parkour athletes and they're very good parkour athletes. So they actually have a good eye for parkour as well, but they're also into video production. So yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just an example of, uh, again, having money behind a project because they had to get all the athletes there. I don't know if, uh, Geert or Tom get any sort of compensation for, for work or if like if they uh bill how five or however however that situation works i don't know but uh, but there was clearly a budget behind yeah it. either way there's there was money spent and the other and, and it's clear it's just it's just clear okay yeah you got athletes together in a space and had uh two cameras running and uh a main editor for it um and the and the the cameras and the edit were not done by the athletes featured. Those were two separate, <laughs> yeah, separate things. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd absolutely love about it is I will I will say that if you were trying to get uh, girls, women into parkour, that's got to be like one of the best examples out there right now. Um, and yeah. and in part right. because of the watchability, like we just gave a lot of praise to Lola Roy last. Um, uh, last podcast for like her compilation of, of 2023. But I, I think this would do more if, if, um, yeah, if you had someone that you wanted to sit down, they're like, Oh yeah, let's what, you know, do, cause we, people ask like sometimes still like, do girls do this? You know? Yeah. And so, um, if go you watch sh-
1: takeover. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and then I, I have a little bit of a, I, I hadn't seen much from, uh, Lynn Young in a while and it was, um, that had an impact on me mm. um uh seeing uh, some of her movement in that piece as well
1: yeah it's cool it's also like a a nice diversity of of ladies as well right like kind of some some younger athletes and mm-hmm. some some older athletes mm-hmm. uh relatively we're not that old but uh, <laughs> uh but yeah it's cool to see to see that and there's a, yeah, it's just a good diversity of movement too. Um, was there a third video we were going to talk we do about? You do have
0: a third one and I don't know how much we want to go into it, but it it's, we have a theme here <laughs> kind, kind of, 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 uh, video production and going into things. Uh, this video is behind a paywall and it's a video that personally oh, okay. right. I was really looking forward to. And that is. I'm gonna say definitely affected uh, my my viewing of it because I was I was very hyped for this one. Uh, Liz Boom, a team fat, uh, featuring Lilu well, Lola Roy, Dominic Fichtenbauer, and Sibay. Oh, how do you say his last name?
1: Spricker. <laughs> Spricker.
0: Spricker. I think. Oh, and Pedro Salgado yeah and just listing and
1: and also the team and
0: And so just listing that out and then now in my head i'm going going through the individual feats in the in the film and i'm
1: like oh it's
0: it's really great um i thought it was um okay i'm gonna gonna try to i'm gonna try to be nice here Be nice (laughs) uh it was a tough watch it was a tough watch to get through um a lot of it because of the uh, I'm gonna say attempts at storytelling that just were not edited well. There's there's a lot of interview piece, and the a simple fix that we we talked about as we were watching it, like I, we were just we were talking as we were watching because we were just getting out of it, right? Uh, was there was a lot of interview, and then it would cut back to act to action or the scene that they're talking about those things needed to be layered on top of each other. And I think that, that's one correction <laughs> that I'll say, and I don't know if Orlando or any of Team Fat or anyone involved is, is ever gonna watch or see this, but that, that's just one uh, one thing I will say about the project <laughs> that would be a, a simple adjustment is, is next time, or if you choose to re-edit this, uh, layer those things on top of each other. So if someone's talking, it can't just be them talking Cut, cut away, and layer the voice over the action that's being talked about. It almost seemed like they wanted to make the video longer, and that was a mistake. It, it probably should have been about half as long.
1: Yeah, it fell f- flat for me. I like it. There were some cool moments in it, and there was some b- big stuff. And like, you know, no doubt about Team Fat are like incredible athletes, and then of course the. The all-star cast that you just listed there also incredible, but it felt like there wasn't like there wasn't really a good cohesive story, and the storytelling that was there, there was like a few big moments that happened where they actually had a story for it, and it was just cutting away to person talking um, instead of just like the audio of the person talking and telling the story over the video that is tell- helping to communicate the same story. So yeah, I don't know, it just, it felt kind of flat for me in that way. It was definitely not as in- like I I think I said this to you when we watched it, but I rather watch the vlogs. Like the vlogs do a better job of storytelling than Liz Boom did. Um, the other thing too, which I know I'm sure there's limitations around it, but like why why do we not get any like, talking or storytelling from any of the guest athletes and i'm sure that's because like i don't know they probably had a short time to film with everybody together and then they went back and they're like okay now we need to do some interviews
0: it seemed like the interviews came after yeah
1: yeah so but yeah i mean there was there like i said there's really cool moments in it overall but i would not sit down to watch it again
0: yeah, neither <laughs> would I. I, I uh, there's there's like a re-edit that exists in my head. Oh yeah, that I would love to see. <laughs> um, but I think they would also require like more footage. Uh, but again, we go back to the theme of like it seemed like Orlando uh, was the main like driving force behind this this project in, in terms of like the behind the camera and behind the edit, uh, young guy and his his main skill set is doing parkour yeah um he's also fe- like he's also featured doing some of the I, I arguably the toughest things in the whole yeah um the whole piece uh and yeah i, I think it's just I, I i look forward to seeing him like develop that skill set more
1: yeah i was about if, to say yeah sorry go ahead as
0: i was say if he if he uh if he wants to you know if that's something that um team fat is trying to do we we talk about store all the time is store has like several i will say like filmmakers on the like filmmakers slash athletes on the team right Uh, and i think team fat definitely looks up to them and are trying to like follow in their their footsteps a little bit there so i expect that he is going to improve and um hopefully i'm not the only one giving or we're not the only ones giving critical feedback here
1: yeah, I, I I guess I wanted to, one thing I want to say is like the theme here that we're talking about is like, oh, like parkour athletes shouldn't film their own and edit their own projects. But that's not actually, I feel like, what we're necessarily saying. It's like, you're going to, it's just, that's what's, being good at filming and editing is Part of the skill set that you need to put out good, video, good videos. And if you don't have that skill set, you need to outsource it. And if you don't want to outsource it, then you're gonna have to go through some quote-unquote failures, right? So I, I guess I don't I don't think this conversation should really be like discouraging people to continue making videos mm. because they definitely should like, but they should try to use these as learning experiences. Mm-hmm towards building up to doing a better project in the future
0: yeah again it's, it's never been easier and i actually uh last point i'd like to actually make about uh, when it comes to making your own film or video or whatever you want to call it or documentary uh is the skill that's actually missing is storytelling i'll say more so than how to film it like how like okay this is how to make it look big Cool, done. Uh, this is how not to cut off someone's head when you're filming. Cool, we got that figured out. And the things that were done were amazing. It's, it's actually the storytelling, and it, it, that's, that's the storytelling sometimes from start to finish of a video, or sometimes it's the storytelling of like a single challenge and what um, went into it. And, and storytelling can be, it could be three clips. You know, It could just be like, here's someone looking at something, here's some them, someone failing it. And then here's someone getting it. Sometimes that's, it doesn't always need to be like really indulgent either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say, you already kind of alluded to, but what I was going to say is like storytelling doesn't necessarily mean you're sitting in front of the camera and telling the story. <laughs> it's some, It sometimes is just like putting together clips in an order with a logical sequence of, this is why this was hard and this is me overcoming it. Um, For example, there's other ways to tell stories, but, um, but that's what ropes people in. People love stories. Like that's why vlogs are so important in parkour is because people love watching the story of why parkour is interesting and cool. It's not just about doing the cool jumps. It's about going through the process of doing the cool jumps and learning about that story is insightful. Mm -hmm. So And it teaches you more about parkour more about the people who are doing it and that's ultimately more exciting Mm -hmm. uh and and awesome to watch yeah um i do want to say uh on the topic of videos your video came out resilient and was it it was last week this is a little Mm -hmm. over a week ago um resilient dropped and you hired an editor
0: and well and video and videographer excuse me who by the way
1: likes to call himself a storyteller oh really (laughs) yeah you told me this okay so mateo welsh Mm -hmm. welsh or walsh welsh welsh mateo welsh uh doesn't do parkour his uh his job title is storyteller (laughs) but he holds a camera and he edits Mm -hmm. uh and so i guess i just want to ask you first is like how do you feel about having it done now is there like a weight lifted off your chest is it like is there like dread about like what do i do now what do i do next
0: okay so two questions yes uh first one uh it feels really good to have it out there and and get as much uh, of a positive response as i did uh sitting here sometimes week after week and Critiquing other projects <laughs> and then putting out one is a lot of pressure. Um, but I think because of that pressure, we had to make sure it was good. That's part of that is what drove me to do uh, to not finish it early to to go back and complete what I had on the list for the project, which is part of it. If you watch it, um, I also was anticipating a lot of hate, mm. which. Maybe, I think I think in parkour, I think people hate in silence. I don't think they hate... hate
1: behind closed doors?
0: Yeah, I don't think they hate in comments uh, in public. Uh, so I'm sure it's out there. Because, uh, yeah, I, I do feel like in, in some ways uh, it can come off as like an indulgent piece. Um, or, like I was very aware of that. And, and I shared in a lot of the editing decisions... And there were some of it where, like, particularly the, if you've seen it, the end sequence is long. It's, it's a, there's a longer end sequence, about like one line. And when Matteo first showed me, like, the draft of it, I, I didn't believe that it was going to come together. And then he worked on it a bit more. He chipped on it a bit more and it started to come together. And I said, okay, this is good. Right. But initially, I was really against how much of, um, how much time just basically how much time I like, forget how many clips or whatever just how much time was in in that uh, last sequence but it, it was what happened <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was sure. a, it was actually a quick... you said
1: like over 200 attempts yeah yeah, yeah that's wild
0: <laughs> um yeah so it, it's... why didn't you just give up um <laughs> <laughs> uh, i wanted to put out a good video I yeah i wanted to yeah it was
1: um
0: uh okay so then and then you asked <laughs> me like okay. what now um Funny enough, like I, I still have like a list.
1: <laughs> well, so oh. not so okay, yeah. I, I did kind of ask you what now, mm-hmm. but I had this experience, not talking about myself, but mm-hmm. I, I had this experience with Ascension 2 mm-hmm. when I did the last thing I mm-hmm. needed to do, the parking garage ascent. I felt super relieved, and at the same time, I felt like I don't know what to do anymore in parkour. I don't feel like I have anything else to Mm -hmm. do now because I just did the thing that's been haunting me for so long. So it felt like, I don't know, like, is this it? Am I done Mm. now? Like, am I done with parkour? Did I just beat the level, you know, (laughs) or beat the game? But I guess it sounds like you don't, you didn't have that experience. It sounds like you're like, cool, I'm like back on the grind, gonna put together this list and get them done.
0: Yeah, like, I have other jumps, um, and because I was able to come back and overcome some fears to do um, the last, like, two lines of that project, um, and everything in the project was on a certain theme, and so Mm -hmm. there's just certain things I've been putting off or, like, jumps or challenges that are scary for me that definitely wouldn't have fit the theme, but are worth, that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of it is also just that I... Think about public perception. I think about what um, people think of me as someone in parkour and whether you think that's a good or a bad attitude to have is uh, you know I guess up to you the viewer but I do care Um, but I think it's that care that made me make sure that I put out something that I could stand behind and um, yeah probably part of what still keeps me going. Like, I don't know, people find motivation in different things. And that's, I guess some of my motivation comes from like, um, that comes from a, a little bit from like what other people might, might think of me. And and I think that's something that gets talked about like negatively all the time. It's like, don't care about what other people think. I, I can say that I care about what other people think. And, and, uh, um, I, yeah, that. That makes me uh, put more time into things sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for for better or worse, like I think your I think your project came out even better than I expected. No, 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 offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it was just like, uh, and but it wasn't because I had like super low expectations. But it was just that I didn't know what to expect about it because i know mateo was film was filming and editing it i had only seen a couple things that you had done and it was in person i never really saw anything
0: like Mm
1: -hmm. on film
0: yeah that was a weird part of the process was a lot of times it was just me preparing something and then calling mateo when i was ready to film it right Um, and and when i say like it took six years it's (laughs) because mateo wasn't part of like year one Right. Uh, or year one and a half. There was like a point where I had started filming with someone and then I had to, they, they basically weren't reliable anymore. And so I had to like take a break to find someone else to get on, on board with me. And yeah, a lot, a lot of the challenges just were, I had to overcome stuff with myself to, do. I mean, you know, it's like. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, um, sometimes I wanted to like break them. Before uh, actually going and filming them, so I would like break whatever the crux of the the line was, uh, and that's why it took so long. <laughs> uh, in this past year, I've been I've been saving some clips uh, that I'll probably be putting out in March to for my like twentieth year. There's there's a couple of I'd like to get a couple more if the weather uh, <laughs> gets gets better before then. Um, but a lot of them were like the things that didn't take didn't take as much effort, you know. Like things that things that I could do on the day that were like, Oh yeah, that was cool and I'm like happy I did it and it was it was a good representation of what I'm capable of, but they weren't on the level of of like I'm gonna need to go back to this spot so many times to <laughs> to uh, get over whatever I need to get over.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I think I need to, we do it to everybody else, so I'm gonna be critical on okay. camera to mm-hmm. you. Um to your face, actually, which is something we don't we rarely a, get to do.
0: These are hard conversations to have.
1: I okay, so the intro, you're talking. Um, I think Dylan mentions this to you, where he was like, Oh no, is this gonna be the video? And then it cuts in, it's like, okay, good. It's not, it's gonna be mostly an action edit. That's good, that's a relief. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like the PC cat there wasn't enough buildup around this being a huge deal. Mm. Cause that was, I know the, I know the ironworks line was a huge deal, but you even said yourself when you premiered it to like, um, like the locals here mm. that the PC cat was potentially even more different, more of a mental it was in my head more. challenge. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, It didn't quite, I mean, there was a little bit of it, but it Mm. didn't quite come off as like, yo, this is actually a huge deal that you sent it because um. also, I mean, so on that same note, it's hard to understand what the timeline is of your injury. Mm -hmm. Because that happened after coming back from injury, which is, this is, and this is a, a cat leap you've looked at for a decade that you finally willed yourself to be able to commit to. And it felt like there could have just been a tiny bit more storytelling around like this is a huge deal. And I know I'm sure it's going to it would be hard to do because it's like, what are the attempts like? you standing there. That's <laughs> so it is, yeah. Um, I don't, so I don't have a perfect solution for how it would have mm-hmm. come together, but that, I, after watching it, I was thinking about, I was like, you know what? This is one of the most impactful moments of the whole video that didn't come across as, as impactful as it. I feel like it should have. Yeah. But that's also because that's coming from me behind the scenes knowing about it all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also, um, I don't like particularly, uh, feel like the shot of it uh, was was framed as well as it could have been to show the size of the, the gap. Scale. Yeah, um, that's that's a parkour like trope. Is like it never, it never looks as big as it felt. Guys,
1: I swear it's way bigger in person <laughs> than it is on camera. Um,
0: and I, I just wish uh, that I had. I t- talked about Mateo. We talked about this so much during the editing process because he really scraped the bottom of the barrel for what he had actually captured. Uh, but on so many days, you know, c- again. Here I am, uh, recruiting a filmmaker to do, try to put together what, what I wanted to make a really good parkour video. And it's still falling short in that seems like I needed two filmmakers, you know, oh, which yeah. is, again, we talk, I talk about like indulgence, like I, that would have been, that would have felt weird, you know, going out with like two, two cameras, You're but on,
1: outnumbered <laughs> on
0: the final, uh, on the final day, um, uh, or the final challenge we did have two cameras running but even just um, I feel like I should have had like a GoPro on a ledge or something Just to, just to have a separate angle to for the PC cap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, specifically that one um, I was gonna say like I probably won't do it again. <laughs> um, I I know uh, I know some other people will though and I'm, I'm uh, stoked to see that happen uh, but, It's
1: cool if it's like unlocked. Yeah, because I mean Like, you've been looking at that for a decade. I have, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been looking... Not... I never really thought, oh, like, I should go do this. But I've definitely, like, thought and considered it. And Mm -hmm. been like, okay, this is a sizable Cat Leap. And it's so iconic. And it's so down... It's, like, right in the middle of downtown. It's, Mm -hmm. like... um, You had a lot of people watching, too.
0: Yeah, sometimes that was what turned me off on certain days. Is just... um... There's something to do with uh, standing jumps, um, particularly if it's like a standing jump takeoff where you, um, it's easier to just like get in your own head. I think yeah. sometimes I have an easier time approaching something that has momentum into it because you can kind of make the...
1: Or like another skill right before it yeah. when you're like linking it together.
0: Yeah, it's just like with the approach, you have this point where like you're already committed. Um, like no one goes... Well, I know it does happen sometimes, but like, say you're going for a running pre kind of like before you even hit the penultimate like stride, you're, you're doing it. You know, you're, you're, you're committed because otherwise you'd have to like really put on the brakes and sometimes that happens. But, um, I feel like it happens earlier in the run-up, like you'll start a run-up and then be like, Oh, no, this is not happening. You know, like the, the decision not to go happens earlier. Um, but there's something about like staring at something and it's very, for me, it's very visual. Like you can. Um, see yourself landing see yourself jumping and as soon as you see it you have to like attack right then um and yeah sometimes like public will get to me yeah Um, it's a really public area doesn't really come off in the film as you said but
1: yes very high foot traffic area but
0: that's a yeah, that's that's parkour or anything sometimes the feats don't always um uh come off the way that they felt uh I do have more interview and footage that I'll be putting out soon that for, for that particular <laughs> challenge, so get gonna a get bit more. more story. but that was the other hard thing too, is like how much of this, um, cause we recorded, uh, about like 40 minutes of interview. He asked me a bunch of questions and we have quite a bit. Um, and anyway, I knew it wasn't going to be long. Uh, there was a point where I wanted there to be a little bit at the start and a little bit in the middle. And then, Go again, and and Mateo was against it, and ultimately I just kind of let him mm. do what he wanted there. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think it's it's unclear uh, where where in the footage, like where in the lines, like the injury occurs, unless yeah. you kind of know a bit more, or if you're watching really intently. Because I think I've had some people watch it where they think like everything,
1: everything happened post like injury. post yeah, injury, yeah, and yeah. it's
0: like no, that's not the case. Um, there's I can I can tell you there's there's uh, there's four clips that happened like post knee injury, which was the other crazy thing where it's like, I could have just been done with the project. And I just, I didn't feel like it would be good enough. I didn't feel like it would be mm. good enough. Had I not, um, there were like two easier ones. And then the two, uh, the PC cat and the Ironworks line that I just felt like if I didn't try, it would have been, yeah, it would have been like, what's the, what's the point?
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, if you haven't watched it yet go watch Resilient it took him six years to make or I don't know what four and a half really (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, but yeah uh, go watch tell us tell us what you think about Resilient what do you think about uh, the PC cat do you think I'm right
0: did you even notice it (laughs) did you even
1: notice it do you even know what we're talking about (laughs) Uh, are we gonna call it there yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good spot to, to end this talk. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we are now on a different YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. If I do the right things. So Yeah, Th- thanks for tuning in, all eight of you, potentially. So, yeah, so because we're on a new channel, so please subscribe. It's going to really help us out because uh, we wanted to move off of the main... Origins channel for a variety of reasons. So please subscribe to the new one, uh, like it, comment, share it with your friends if you value discussions like this, and we will catch you in the next one.